Lord, is that we read out there a few minutes ago. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Speak just now some message to meet my need, which thou only dost know. Speak now through thy holy word and make me see some wonderful truth thou hast to show to me. And I, was, I read Psalm 43 before I came out. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. The psalmist was being attacked by his own son and the nation had turned on David the psalmist and he, he says deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man we are surrounded day by day as we go about our business by unjust and deceitful people the world the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and David had had to leave the city, go over the Kedron and out into the wilderness. And he is downcast. Some may have come here this morning feeling a bit downcast, a bit low after a difficult week. Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And he says, Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. God has sent forth his light and his truth. The light of the world is Jesus. And he said he will lead us. He will lead his sheep. And the sheep hear him and know his voice and follow him. Then he says, Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. We can rejoice and hope only in God. People have different ideas as to what they hope for in this world. Some people hope they're going to win the lottery. Some people hope that they're going to have a healthy life. Some people hope that they'll have a good job. Our hope only is in God. And unless we get that into our lives and into our hearts and into our minds, the only person and the only thing we can hope for in this world and hope in is in God. That's our only hope. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. And if we hope in God, we will find in him complete rest, complete peace, complete joy and complete happiness. It just struck me as I was thinking about the service this morning and just before I came, I read that psalm and read the psalm before it. Some of the same thoughts come into it. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Unless we have a thirst and a desire for God, we will be disquieted. Our soul will be 
mournful within us. And at the end of that psalm, he ends with the same verse. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. And that should be our, our, our motto, our theme, as we enter another week. My hope is built on nothing less than our hope and trust in God. Now let's turn to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 4. We'll just read 1 Samuel chapter 4. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel and when they joined battle Israel was smitten before the Philistines and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people went to Shiloh, that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the, the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought. And Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent, and there was a very great slaughter. For there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. A few weeks ago, we, we started to look at a bit of the life and times of Samuel and we'll keep coming backwards and forwards to him every now and again. When little Samuel was left we saw with Eli we saw that the, the priesthood was corrupt. 
and that Eli's sons were, were evil men. The word of Jehovah, it said, was rare in those days and a vision was not frequent. Things were bad and Israel had strayed away from God. Just like we see, we saw in many places today, the word of God is being neglected. There was no vision, it says. The vision was not frequent. Proverbs 29, 18, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The people lacked having a vision of God. And it wasn't coming from the priests. And we saw in Amos it said, Behold, the days shall come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Because of all this, the people did not want to sacrifice. Because the, 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 the priests were so corrupt, the people could see through the wicked ways of the priests, and as a result, they did not want to come and sacrifice to God. People were being put off by the hypocrisy. <clears throat> Immorality was rampant. These two men uh, were immoral in their behavior. It was amongst the priests that this immorality showed itself. Need, need we make any comparisons, we said. But God in his graciousness sent a prophet to old Eli. And he, he brought a message of coming judgment. He said God was going to judge Eli and his two sons. I'm going to cut you off from the priesthood. And he said the sign will be that Hophni and Phinehas will both be killed in one day. And that was the situation when this little man, Samuel, little boy, was brought before Eli to, to help in the worship of God. Nobody took any heed to the message from God. And things went from bad to worse. You know, it's a bit like what Paul says in Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. And that's what these people turned away from the truth, even though God had sent a prophet to warn them of the coming judgment. By chapter 4, which we've just read, Samuel obviously had grown up. We have the, the story that everybody knows uh, of, of little Samuel being told by God that there was coming judgment and he thought it was Eli calling him and he went back two or three times and eventually Eli realized it was God who was speaking to the little boy and he said next time speak Lord for thy servant heareth and God gave him a warning which he also passed on to Eli but time went by and Samuel we see in first verse of chapter 4, the word of Samuel came to all Israel. He was recognized as a prophet. God had prophesied judgment. And yet we see Israel went out against the Philistines to battle 
and pitched beside Ebenezer. God had prophesied the judgment, yet we see Israel arrogant. We don't see that they asked of God or even asked of Samuel, should they go out and fight. They just decided that they would attack the Philistines. The verse in the psalm says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They were trusting in their horses and in their chariots to go out and fight against the Philistines. And you know, it's, it's quite ironical. Look where the battle was pitched. And pitched beside Ebenezer. Ebenezer. Where, what does it mean, Ebenezer? It means, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. They had all that great history of God helping them, coming out of Egypt, going through the wilderness, defeating the foes, coming into the promised land. All that history. And they were wiping it all out. But it is ironical, wasn't it, that where they went to start the battle, it was a reminder to them that here, up until now, God had been their God, God had helped them. But they had turned their back on God. But now they were coming under the judgment of God. God had been so gracious to them in their, in their wanderings through the wilderness. Time and again they had rejected him. Time and again he had showed them his love and his mercy and his graciousness. But now they had turned their back on him once again. What a disaster. And you know, if we want to do anything for God, we can't do it in our own strength. And this is a good lesson to us. We can look back on our lives that Jesus Christ has saved us and looked after us as we sang in some of those lovely hymns. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal hope. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Make sure that we don't set out from here on in our own strength, as the Israelites tried to do. What a disaster. They were smitten in the field and 4,000 men were killed. God gives us a similar warning, doesn't it? You know, in Jeremiah, the same thing happened. In Jeremiah 18 and verse 11, we have a situation there. And God had spoken to the people. And the people said, we will walk after our own devices. And we will, everyone, do the imagination of his evil heart. Turn their back on God. And so often when you speak to people. And you say. You point out problems in their lives. Or in our lives to them. They will say yes I know God says that. But in my opinion. I think I should. You know. People are arrogant. People are arrogant. As if God cares what my opinion is. He isn't interested in my opinion. We should only hope only in God trust only in him and you know the battle was over they came back into the camp and they had rejected God they had gone into battle in their own strength and look what happens in verse 3 a typical comment of what we come up against in this day and age 
Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? It's not our fault, it's the Lord's fault. Why has he smitten us? We went out there in our own strength, but who's to blame? It's God. Why doesn't God stop war? Why doesn't God stop sickness? Why? You've heard it all before. It's the same here. They had tried to do something in their own strength. And when they came back. Why hath God smitten us? The world hasn't changed. The world still blames God. And the word used for God here. The Lord. Is Jehovah. One who was their particular God. The one who had said or says that he would be a husband to Israel. And he's the one that they had disobeyed. He had chosen them as his own particular people. And they had turned their back on him. And now they were blaming him for the trouble they had caused to themselves. The priests were corrupt and were, it says, the sons of Belial, the sons of the devil. And they didn't know God. They knew not the Lord, it says. But yet, they blamed God. They had corrupted all the laws of God and yet they blamed God. People then and the people today have lost the sense of their own sinfulness and their own rebellion and ungodliness against a holy, awesome God. You see, people have the idea, and they had the idea in those days as well, that they can treat God as a kind of lucky charm. They can bring God into the equation when they feel like it, and they can leave him out of the equation when they want to. Just as they fancy. It's like these little promise boxes we used to have years ago. Remember we had one at home. And you felt a bit down. You went to this little box. You got a little pair of tweezers and you pulled the thing out. And that was, that was God's promise to you for that day. The little verses, nothing wrong with them. But the thought behind it is wrong. Just to, I'll go and just pick something out by chance and God will speak to me. Rather than constantly living close to God and, and reading his word and speaking. God doesn't, he can work that way. But it's not an ideal way. Picking verses out of a little box and rolling them out and reading them. I haven't seen one for a long time. Like these promise boxes we used to see around, we go and pick out a promise. Pick out a promise out of the Bible, uh, open it up and see if you know, there's a promise there, and then we take that as God's leading. There's much more to it than that. But you see, and that's why we read in verse 3, they said, let's fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh and bring it along and it may save us out of the hand of our enemies let's go and get the Ark of the Covenant bring it along here 
and, and that, that, that'll do. Because they remembered that when they had victories in uh, crossing the Jordan, it was the Ark of the Covenant of God that they carried. But in any case, they, a lot of their victories, they carried the Ark. The priests carried the Ark. And when the feet of the priest touched the Jordan, the waters separated. And the, they, they had this, this wonderful concept in their mind of how the Ark of the Covenant had been used by, by God in those days. Let's us, let us bring it. Yet yeah, we'll bring it along. And we'll make God act for us in this particular situation. So, they sent off for the ark, and who were there carrying the ark or involved in it? Hophni and Phineas, sons of Belial, men who were corrupt, immoral, and evil, who were turning the people against God. They were the ones who went along to get the ark of the covenant. Sinful man cannot use a holy, awesome jealous God in whatever way he likes but people think they can people still do think they can there were strict laws and regulations laid down by God as to who could carry the ark as to how it could be carried how it could be moved, when it could be moved who could go into the holy place to get the ark and when the, the tent was pitched and, and when they they decided to up camp and move because the, the, this column of smoke had moved from above the altar. There were strict regulations laid down. They forgot about all those. They forgot about all those. They thought they could manipulate God. We cannot manipulate God. We have to live in accordance with the rules and regulations which he lays down in Scripture. Man, unholy man, cannot manipulate God these men presumably overruled these laws and they went into the holy place to get the ark of the covenant nothing is more abhorrent to almighty God than to seek to use his name in connection with sin and ungodliness it will bring down severe judgment and doom upon all who do it by mixing a little bit. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was a sign of God's presence on earth. That was good. But then they mixed it with all the error. And that's the trouble these days. There's so much good mixed in with the error. What they were in fact were saying, we will arrange for God to be present and to do what we demand of him. That's what they were saying. We'll bring God along into this and get him to sort out our problems with the Philistines. We get the same thoughts in the faith teachers of today. They think that they can do the same. But there was a disastrous defeat. And always there will be a disastrous defeat if we try to use these methods in our warfare with the world and with sin and with the devil. You know, there was a great shout of triumph went up. When the people saw the ark coming, they got excited. They gave a great shout. And the people in the camp next door, the Philistines, they wondered what was going on. 
And they realized that the, the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of the God of the Hebrews. And the sad thing is, they seem to know more about the God of the Israelites than the people who should have known about it. They knew about the power of God. They said, this is the God that brought these people out of Egypt that caused, and this has happened years ago. They, they said, these, these are the gods that brought the people out of Egypt, that caused all the plagues. The, this is the, the, these are the gods that we're going to have to be strong. Who shall deliver us out of the hand of this God? They realized that if God was on the side of the Israelites, they were really up against it. But sadly, the Israelites didn't have the power of God on their side because they were doing this not in the strength of the God of the Hebrews, but in their own strength. Many outside the professing churches today have a greater regard for God than those who seek to honor him inside the church. They can't understand what's going on in some of these churches when they look at all this talk about the, the bishops and the immoral acts and things which are going on. The people outside the churches can't understand what's going on inside the churches which are supposed to be honoring to God. Like any battle fought in our own strength, it was a disaster. And the sad thing about it was the Ark of the Covenant was captured by these Philistines, by these, as it says, these uncircumcised Philistines. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were slain. God's judgment was taking place as he had said. And then, if you look at the next verses, you can read them when you get home. We don't have time to go through them all. A man came from the army, and he arrived at Shiloh. And he brought news of the battle. And Eli sat upon a seat. This old man, he had done nothing really uh, to, to, to stop his sons acting as they had. In fact, it says uh, he's included in it. He was living a comfortable life as a result of what Hophni and Phinehas were doing. It says you and we, that God had included him in, in the, the, the evil which was taking place. If you go back to chapter 3, you can see that. But nevertheless, he was concerned about the Ark of the Covenant. And he heard all the commotion when this man arrived with news of the battle. And he says, what's going on? What's all the noise? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And there hath been also a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. When he heard that, that the ark of God was taken. It struck home to him like a bolt of lightning. That he fell off his seat. He was a heavy man. He was 98 years old. And he broke his neck. And died. And another thing. 
the wife of Phineas was pregnant. And they said to the women that stood by her said, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod. And he got such a shock. She died. Ichabod. The glory is departed from Israel. The glory is departed from Israel. For the ark of God is taken. And she called her little boy Ichabod. The glory is departed. God had taken away his glory from around the camp of Israel. We have the same idea with Samson. Do you remember? Delilah was constantly at Samson as to why, why are you strong? Why, wherein does your strength lie? And she kept on and eventually he revealed to this pagan woman what God had said and the strength which he had which was in God in his faith and trust in God and then if you look at Judges chapter 16 you'll see the story there he went to sleep and she wakened him and said the Philistines are upon thee Samson and he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. How sad. He didn't realize that the Lord had departed from him. He wist not. And you know, I was challenged about that. So often we do things in our own strength. We come to speak. We need to make sure that we're not doing it on our own strength. Samson wist not. And he got up just as in previous times. He thought that the strength that God had given him in the past was just there that he could tap into even though he had dishonored God and failed God and disclosed to this pagan woman things which he should not have done. And he got up just as in previous times. But he wist not. He wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Similarly, we see here Ichabod the glory of the Lord is departed. The Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer. Ah, there we have it again. He brought it from the place which was a sign to the children of Israel of God's help and how he had guided They took it away from there. And they put it in the temple of their God Dagon 
brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. What a disaster. Bringing the covenant of God into the house of Dagon. Why do we have all this interfaith worship today? Because we do not realize, the churches do not realize Ichabod. The glory of God has departed from a lot of these churches and they're bringing the church into the temple of Dagon. The God whom we should be worshipping and these churches should be worshipping is not the God of scripture and we have tried to place our God in the temple of Dagon. That's why these people feel happy with their interfaith worship and all the rest of it. God is a jealous God. Isaiah 42 verse 8 I am the Lord, that is my name and my glory will not I give to another neither my praise to graven images. And in that place of idol worship God displayed his power and Dagon fell. They put him up again. Next day he fell again and his head came off. He's only off the stump of his body. The Philistines realized the power of God and were uncomfortable with it. They were uncomfortable with it. And God smoked them with a plague. They sought to get rid of this God as soon as possible. That is why in scripture it says that the preaching of the cross of Christ would be an offence to people. They won't like it. They want to get rid of you and they want to get rid of the God you're talking about. Jesus said that his message would divide families. There can be no concord between good and God and evil. And this is a lesson we must all learn. All of us, we were talking there earlier on, weren't we? In our relationships, boy-girl relationships, husband-wife relationships. There must be separation from the world. Evil and good in relation to God. God will never approve of that. And so God's judgment came upon the Israelites and now upon the Philistines. Because God was not going to allow the Ark of the Covenant to stay in the temple of Dagon. You know, this world is under judgment. We as individuals are under the judgment of God until we realize our need of a Savior and turn to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. What a lesson this is for us, isn't it? That when we try to do something in our own strength, it will be a complete disaster. Israel, the story is one of disaster. And we will look further at the life of this man, Samuel, in the weeks ahead. But let us always only trust and hope in God. And in anything we seek to do, that in all things he might have 
the preeminence. Let us not do something in our strength. It's not by power or by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It is only through the power and working of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we can hope to do anything worthwhile for God. Amen.